0: Welcome to Spooky Tears.
1: I'm Brandon. And I'm Nick. And this is Happy Tears, a podcast where two sensitive boys talk about the art that we love so much so. That it often brings us to tears. Today on the podcast, it's spooky season, although one of us wishes it wasn't. Uh, that's right. Despite my Grinch like efforts to cancel Halloween with a deadly pandemic, it's still happening. Ah. We can't stop October. Stoptober so is on the, that your. <laughs> Stoptober. <laughs> that's what I needed. So today on the podcast, we've got our top spooky and anti-spooky recommendations for your October. If you are a spooky boy like Brandon or a scaredy boy like Nick, we got it all. This is Happy Tears.
0: So like All right. usual, I imagine we should start with our happy tears of the week. Yeah, I had some. All right. Well, uh, how about you go first? Well, okay. So, so my
1: happy tears in the last week was a little bit of a repeat mm-hmm. because <laughs> I watched a movie that we covered on our previous episode a movie called Yi Yi by director Edward Yang. Um, I watched it again, and I watched it with the audio commentary, the director's commentary on the Criterion Blu-ray. Nice. Just because, you know, I, I really liked the movie. I have your copy of the movie, although mine came in the mail today. Very exciting. <gasps> so, you know, just uh, kind of crossing it off my list. And I can tell you... That even with the audio commentary, with the director and the journalist having a discussion about all the stuff, still managed to make me cry almost as often as watching it straight. Man, that movie's great. Sure is. And, so uh, good. You know what I did, Brandon? I think it was last night. What's that? I bumped Yee Yee up to my top 10. Whoa. I love that. I, I think it's I think it's a top 10 movie for me. I really just love it so much.
0: I love to hear it. And like I
1: said, I had an ultimate happy tear last week when watching it, and I had like five happy tear moments in total. It's just <laughs> like it's like happy tear mecca for me,
0: really. <laughs> happy tear central. Well, that's great. Now you own it. Yeah.
1: Now I own it, and I can watch it. And it's three hours? Weekly. <laughs> three hours a week, dedicated <laughs> to yee Yi only. Uh, how fun. And then the other, I had one more, and it was... Uh, We watched the finale of Schitt's Creek now that the final season has been added to Netflix. We were waiting to catch up on that. And that show is just lovely, wonderful, and hilarious. And the ending, the last few episodes were all very touching, and there was a number of Happy Tears moments throughout. And uh, if you're looking for a nice uh, anti-spooky show to watch, highly recommend Schitt's Creek. It's a great show.
0: Awesome. All right, so I can't really recall... Too many specific, like, straight happy tears, but I am reading two things right now, which have been, uh, they've both had pretty emotional moments. Uh, one of them is The Memory Police by Yoko Ogawa. Uh, this book was originally published in 1994, I believe, and then just last year, they uh, uh, the translated to English version was published in 2019. And... I'll read you the description of it because it kind of fits in the the spooky category. It says, uh, On an unnamed island off an unnamed coast, objects are disappearing. First hats, then ribbons, birds, roses, until things become much more serious. Most of the island's inhabitants are oblivious to these changes, while those few imbued with the power to recall the lost objects live in fear of the draconian memory police, who are committed to ensuring that what has disappeared remains forgotten. When a young woman who is struggling to maintain her career as a novelist discovers that her editor is in danger from the memory police, she concocts a plan to hide him beneath her floorboards. As fear and loss close in around them, they cling to their writing as the last way of preserving the past. A surreal, provocative fable about the power of memory and the trauma of loss, the memory police is a stunning, new work from one of the most exciting contemporary authors writing in any language. So, yeah, so there's some moments between her and her editor that she's hiding and some circumstances that the the editor is in with his family that were pretty heartbreaking. So those moments, along with kind of this tie-in, I'm going back and reading some of Exhalation again and finishing the last couple stories that I never finished because I bought the paperback of the book and had a terrible time reading the paperback because it was so hard to keep. It's like a big bulky paperback that's like the binding. It's just so hard to keep open. I feel like I was working out my hands. <laughs> so I hated actually that, the act of reading that book, and I, but I love the book. So it was just really frustrating. So I'd been waiting to get it back from the library and it's hardback copy to read some of the ones that I was having a harder time reading and then finish the last couple. So you finished it? Well, I haven't finished it, but there's a story near the end that also deals with memory. It kind of goes along with some similar themes from here that were also really touching. Uh, the story in it is the truth of fact, the truth of feeling. There's this uh, a few just really touching moments uh, between this main character and his daughter. And it kind of touches on the concepts of uh, memory and what those what our memories mean to us and how uh, kind of the importance they play in our lives, but how they can trick us as well. And I don't know, I thought that was a really great short story.
1: It's so good, man. I I think that collection is just like one of my favorite books. It's funny, we were talking earlier today because I just read Cormac McCarthy's The Road, which is incredible, very emotional for me also. So I guess this is a great time to just mention it. But like that and... Ted Chiang's Exhalation just in the last, you know, really year, year and a half that we've been doing the podcast, I've read these two books, have become two of my absolute favorites. And I need to revisit Exhalation just because those short stories can can fade from your memory pretty quickly just because they're short, but yeah. yeah, it's so good.
0: Yeah, it's really, really great. And I've, it's a cool, these are, it's a cool combo to read together between the memory police and then Exhalation, but I recommend those and... Um, you might have some happy tears with both of those. So, hoorah. Hoorah. All
1: right, so tell me, kind of set up the ground rules for me here. What was your process going into this?
0: All right, so I picked five. These aren't like my favorite scary movies. First, I guess I should talk about... So, when I think of spooky, I think definitely related to like Halloween and the season. So, I think dark. I think... Ghost creatures, you know, witches—the the things that come up around Halloween. So I don't. There's some you know horror films that I wouldn't necessarily think of in this category, but that I I love. Uh, but I kind of stuck to that sort of spooky vibe or atmosphere, and then from there I kind of picked out some different categories. I've got I've got five. Excellent. How about you?
1: Uh, yeah. So I think part of this whole idea came from earlier this month i was reflecting on how i'm not into scary movies really and obviously october for a lot of movie lovers is like a big month of of horror marathons and such and eh, not being into that i was like well what what could i do that's good for me and so i started (laughs) compiling my list of anti-spooky films And so uh, I've got I've got like about a dozen on my list, but I've just picked, uh, you know, sort of a top five here to counterbalance uh, your spooky picks. I think they're just great recommendations for those that are like me that just aren't looking for (laughs) a spooky October.
0: Yeah, so. This was a fun little deal I had when I was I was living with some friends and uh, used to watch Hannibal, which is a pretty uh, intense, scary show that's fantastic, by the way. Highly recommend it. But we would watch Bob's Burgers afterwards and it would be a nice kind of palate cleanser. You know, just to get your mind off uh, the intensity of... Of Hannibal and it was a nice wholesome show and always put me in a great mood so I didn't have nightmares because Hannibal's a decently long show and we were watching it, you know, most nights. So taking that concept, I figure we can apply it to our picks here and whatever spooky pick I have, you can negate the spookiness with a lovely anti-spooky movie. Perfect. We're going to keep our
1: pH balance, right at zero. If you bring that acidity, I'm going to drop the base.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Well, Well, great. Well, should we start Uh, off
1: here? Yeah, so I guess uh, the onus is upon you, my friend.
0: All right. My first category, uh, so when I think of Halloween movies, first thing that comes to mind, or just the the general vibe of Halloween, Tim Burton is a director that comes to mind. You've got to have a Tim Burton pick. So... For me, I was thinking, all right, this particular film has knives, has some creepy crawlies and lots of blood. And it also has
1: three things I hate,
0: (laughs) by the way. (laughs) It also has some singing. This one happens to Uh be Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street by Tim Burton. Uh, So yeah, what a cast this one has. It's pretty popular one. Moving forward, I have some picks that I feel like I want to champion and might be underappreciated but and this might be one of the more underappreciated ones in in tim burton's catalog here but either way i think it's the songs are fun but grotesque uh it's super stylized it's very dark and it's perfect for this time of year like i said the cast is really wonderful. And I saw a stage uh, production of this because this is an adaptation of the Stephen Songheim Broadway musical, Helen Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp.
1: Can we just talk about <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter for the rest of the episode? I mean,
0: <laughs> she's. Lovely. I
1: feel like she just, everyone likes her or, or even loves her. But like, when I think of like great actors, she's not someone that, that comes top of mind just because maybe she... Often plays very niche roles. She does a lot of Tim Burton stuff. But man, she is just so wonderful always.
0: Totally. And, and this film, uh, as much as I, I like it and I feel like it's fitting for a list like this, um, has has its uh, flaws here and there. But I certainly feel like it fits with the season and has a great soundtrack.
1: This came out in 2007 and I had just joined high school theater right around that time so it just happened to be the movie that like all of my friends were obsessed with so of course I saw it despite not being the target audience in terms of <laughs> like blood like blood makes me queasy not not always yeah. not usually movie blood generally speaking but in real life it super does sometimes if it's particularly gnarly um although in this it's almost cartoonishly <laughs> bloody right
0: well yeah maybe at at some points but I still feel like it's pretty pretty graphic movie
1: for oh no for sure I mean well that's what I mean it's like over the top gory and bloody despite being a non-spooky boy certified non-spooky is this guy (laughs) Sweeney Todd's a good movie so that's a good pick (laughs) as for me to so yeah to cancel out your musical I will see your Sweeney Todd and hit you with a singing in the rain
0: good morning good morning
1: we've talked the whole night through good morning good morning to you good morning good morning it's great to stay up late good morning good morning, good morning to, to be honest watched it for the first time this year during the pandemic what pure joy that movie is they're just singing and it's raining
0: <laughs> what more could you want for an anti-spooky movie. (laughs)
1: It's funny because, you know, especially if you go 30 years your whole life without ever seeing it and then you watch it and you're like, oh, I know every one of these songs (laughs) because so many of them are just part of popular culture. Obviously, you've got Gene Kelly, you've got Debbie Reynolds, uh, Donald O'Connor—they're kind of your main three—but just like everybody is like flawless in this movie. Uh, the colors are so vibrant and wonderful. There's obviously the super famous scene where he's literally singing in the rain, you right know. Right. But there's so there's several Hollywood stage numbers that are really stunning. Every, just everything's so great. And obviously, for me, every time I see Debbie Reynolds, I think of Carrie Fisher, and my heart grows three sizes that day. So, mm-hmm. just nothing but a good time. I don't even really remember what the conflict is. And that that's <laughs> kind of was, was my whole deal with this. Like, I was going for the sweetest, most saccharine, the least conflicted. Like, I want there to barely be a plot in my anti-spooky movies. So, <laughs> I'm sure somebody will come back and be like, well, obviously they were trying to do this. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, that
0: movie's just a barrel of fun. Uh, It's just great. So first, Sweeney Todd, Singing in the Rain Before Bed. Boom. Back to neutral. Uh, So up next, I thought I'd pick an animated film. Yeah, there's several films that could fit in this category, but I just kept going back to a film that we've covered on here, which is Coraline by Henry Selleck. And uh, we've done an episode on this around this time last year, so... If you haven't listened to that, I'd encourage you to go back and we do a, a much deeper dive, talk a lot of the, the the technical aspects and the things we love about that film. But I love the world building in this film. Everything just feels so tactile and the, the characters, the design elements, and think it's a, a great story. So for those of you who have not seen it, Uh, I'll read you the description from Google here. It says, While exploring her new home, a girl named Coraline discovers a secret door behind which lies an alternate world that closely mirrors her own, but in many ways is better. She rejoices in her discovery until other mother and the rest of her parallel family try to keep her there forever. Coraline must use all of her resources and bravery to make it back to her own family and life. Uh good story, good moral. Definitely not particularly a uh, I mean while animated, I can imagine a kids would be spooked out by this as I was spooked out and I was not a kid. Uh so <laughs> um but but a a lovely uh film and the animation's gorgeous.
1: That's the thing I think that I was so taken aback by Because when we covered it on our previous episode, it was the first time I'd seen it. And it's just some of the animation. I have no sense of how they actually accomplished half of what they did. It's up there with with some of the best stop motion animation out there, I think. And it's based on a a novel, a novella by Neil Gaiman, Mm -hmm. who's a writer that we both really like. Great spooky pick. You've you've picked two spooky things that I weirdly like. I know, I... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm still not going to watch it in October. <laughs> um, all right, so I have an animated pick also to counter yours, and really, when you're when you're thinking of non-spooky, wholesome, lovely movies, obviously you've got to at least consider some Disney and/or Pixar films. You know, there's so many great ones out there. A lot of the classic 2D animation from the 90s that were huge, or any of the more recent Pixar movies, Finding Nemo, Toy Story, Up was a was a consideration. But for me, a, again, another one I watched for the first time this year, and it just blew my little socks off, and that's a little movie called WALL-E. Ah, love WALL-E. So, in my opinion, WALL-E is the pinnacle of of pixar's repertoire as of now i just absolutely was blown away by how visually stunning that movie is and just you you know you fall in love with this dopey little robot (laughs) and like i said yeah there's a plot yeah he's on earth and then he, he goes to space and Humans are gross, <laughs> uh, and there's a little bit of, like, something to overcome towards the end, but it's not... It never feels that. You're never worried <laughs> that, <laughs> that, they're ne- that they're not going to win in the end, right? And so uh, real low stakes in terms of, you know, being worried about the actual plot, and just so much of it is just so adorable and cute and
0: touching, and that's why Wally is my best guy. Well, that's nice. It's a good one to... Uh... Counterbalance, counterbalance. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Uh, well, so my next category, I thought we should throw a pick with some comedic elements, uh, but Love still it. keeping the spooky elements intact. Of course. And I had to choose what we do in the shadows. Ah, uh, I knew <laughs> five
1: years. it. He was an 18th century dandy, so he can be very fussy. You nags and nags.
0: went in the lounge yesterday the and there was blood all over my nice antique couch. Which one? The red one? Well, it's red now, yeah. If you're going to eat a victim on my nice green couch, put down some newspaper on the floor and some towels. It's not hard to do. We're vampires. We don't put down towels. Some vampires do. We're well, not serious ones. It's a uh, 2014 New Zealand film. By Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, and it's really, really funny, and it has its spooky moments for sure. And I still think it's underappreciated in the like grand scheme of uh, you know best comedy films or movies of the the decade. Even I think it's just a uh, a genius kind of movie but for those who haven't seen it there's just a short description it says vampire housemates try to cope with the complexities of modern life and show a newly turned hipster some of the perks of being undead that's so funny what a great concept i was like crying laughing at certain parts of this and there's a tv show on hulu that's set in the same sort of universe here titled what we do in the shadows as well so you can make your way to that after seeing this But we both love Taika, and this, I think, is just some brilliant work from him.
1: Yeah, man, I have wanted to watch this movie... Since it came out, I guess, or maybe that's, that's probably an overstatement. I've wanted to watch this movie for a long time, and it's just not streaming right now. And I'm not, I not—I haven't gone the extra mile to just rent it or buy it or, 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 or get what, it Nick, from the library. There it is. Get it from the local <laughs> library, as Brandon always tells me. <laughs> but yeah, this is like towards the top of my of my wish list, my must-watch list. And once I watch the movie, I will then watch the show. But until I watch the movie, I don't want to watch the show. I love Taika, as you mentioned. I love uh, all of those New Zealand guys, the uh, the Flight of the Concords fellas mm-hmm. and all of that. Taika Waititi is one of the best filmmakers working right now. He's had, like, if you look at the last decade, I mean Thor Ragnarok is great. Jojo Rabbit is great. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People is a movie that I feel like a lot of people haven't seen that it's also speaking of my top 10 list which Ye- which Yiyi Ye- Ye is on uh I think Hunt for the Wilder People is number 6 and I almost put it on my list here. Wow. Uh such a great movie and it's n- freshly on Netflix so I highly recommend that. Tiger YTT is great. I can't wait to watch this movie and you're 3 for 3 on things that I either
0: like or should like will <laughs> like. Yeah, and this one also yeah, ticks the the whole kind of uh vampire box and yeah. So what do you have for for me
1: um can't really go wrong with a rom-com there's a lot of great ones out there when harry met sally is a perfect movie and that's always a great choice i love sleepless in seattle how to lose a guy in 10 days has a has a place in my heart Mm -hmm. but really the one and this is a little nostalgic because i can't remember the last time i've seen it but the one that just sounds like a warm hug to me right now is a movie called the wedding singer Classic. Adam Sandler, <laughs> Drew Barrymore vehicle. I mean, what is there to say? We all know the wedding singer, right? Other than the fact that he's like borderline suicidal at the beginning of the movie because his girlfriend dumped him. What a great fun and funny movie. Great soundtrack. Great music. Uh, you know, lots of Billy Idol. He's oh Billy, a Billy Idol cameo, right? <laughs>
0: Thoughts? I mean, it's been so long that I, I don't remember, but I'm sure this double feature of some some comedy would would be a great evening.
1: I mean, uh, just just close your eyes and think about that scene where Jew Barrymore's character. Hold on, what's her name again? It's oh Julia Gulia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there's the ghoul. The way we have a... <laughs> there's the ghoul.
1: That's so funny. It's perfect. Uh, she gets on the plane. She's going to go back and marry that, that D-bag or whatever she's going to do. And Adam Sandler gets on the plane, but somehow Billy Idol's on there too and introduces him and he sings that song I Want to Grow Old With You, which is a beautiful, wonderful song that's just so sweet. I'll get you
0: medicine When your tummy aches Build you a fire if break so it
1: could be so nice growing old with you I miss you
0: kiss you
1: give you my cold when you are cold need you feed you even let you hold the remote control it's like the sugariest candy i can possibly think of and uh yeah what a great movie <laughs> and
0: like that's uh, my
1: comedic
0: pick so what's more sugary the sour patch kids okay or i don't even remember what's the what's the rope or like the oh, not the rope um, but straws like something straws there's those so yes but also <laughs> the flat the flat ones that are just like a ribbon
1: uh, are you thinking of? Um, are they called air?
0: Not the, not airheads. These have air, like no. sugar like on them completely, but they're but they're like a ribbon.
1: <laughs> I don't remember.
0: Well, you said but the sugar is candy. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm uh, trying to compare sugar something.
1: like a fun dip. You remember fun dip? Mm. The stick of sugar that you mm. dipped into powdered sugar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's it.
1: That's this movie. That's, yeah, that's The Wedding Singer. Perfect.
0: Uh, so I figured we should do one primarily on creature design. I don't have a Muppet <laughs> movie for you to Damn counter. It. I should have. All right. I well, know. this one also fits in the auteur category because this director uh, is brilliant. And I love the creature design of this film. I think it's the use of practical effects and CGI. Uh, work super well in this film. And it goes by the name of Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, So yeah, it's just one of my favorite fantastical films. It has this magical realism quality to it that I think is really special. And I don't think we get enough in uh, movies these days, or maybe there's just not as many good ones that kind of um, balance those things um, with serious subject matter and with these kind of fantastical elements to them. But the, yeah, the creature and costume design is just extraordinary in the movie. And again, the world building here is just pretty stunning uh, and fits the kind of like you can be terrified just by the creatures alone uh, in this. Oh, for sure. This movie. So yeah, that goes down as my my fourth pick. It's a good uh, foreign language film, too. Uh, Yeah, which we haven't done yet. Yeah, so that,
1: um, honestly, that's perfect because my pick is also a foreign language auteur-director masterpiece, possibly? (laughs) (laughs) Made by my favorite living film director. His name is Hayao Miyazaki. Ah. And the movie, yeah, you're ready. You know what's coming. The movie is Ponyo. Just lovely. Uh, ah, so great. So, let's see. What is there to say? We've talked about this movie, at least, you know, in passing on this podcast. I did a big Hayao Miyazaki marathon About a year ago, kind of right as we were starting this podcast, and I I love all their—you know—he does Japanese animation films. All eleven of his existing films are wonderful. I've got them all ranked. I can—I'll throw my letterboxed ranking of his movies (laughs) in the show notes. But Ponyo is right there at the top, baby. You know why? Because Ponyo loves ham, and Ponyo loves Sosuke.
0: And that's all you have to say. That's all you need to know, really some beautiful creatures now, I mean, in this movie as well. The colors are so uh
1: like almost otherworldly. It's the story of a little fish that turns into a little girl because she loves a little boy and <laughs> it's the most adorable little story. Again, going back to kind of my criteria, barely there's barely a story. I mean, she just like sees a boy and kind of loves him immediately, and then it's just an hour and a half of the most beautiful imagery you've ever seen. It really is next to in the mood for love, which we talked about last week. It's like one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. It's just eye candy. Talking about candy, uh, <laughs> it's the fun dip for your eyes. Love it that, that you're looking for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hope you wa- you eat fun dip while you're watching. These movies,
1: (laughs) I do. I'm gonna go buy a. I'm gonna go to Costco and buy Fun Dip in bulk, and just have Uh. a marathon. Yeah, I mean, it's just it is an adorable, lovely, touching story that is just you. It's just really irresistible. Like I said, there's almost no conflict it's just they go on a little adventure and it's fantastical and mesmerizing and beautiful it's just the warm fuzzies all the way through
0: <laughs> warm fuzzies for and sure you love
1: you love it for, also you were the one that kind of said I'm, hey wait for panyo boy
0: <laughs> it's gonna hit you yeah dude warm <laughs> fuzzies all around I love this film it's one of those it's special that I I watched this with uh my little brother like the first time I watched it and we both we both love it and mention it often. So so a lot of Miyazaki films kind of have that quality to them, the kind of magical quality. There's not much like uh, often no villains and just kind of, you know, a nice journey. So this gets a, a two thumbs up from me. This is a, might be our best pairing yet, Pans and Ponyo.
1: Pans and Ponyo is also alliterative and that's great. Uh, yeah, that's a good pair right there. Really, any of these could be a fun, a a kind of fun uh, uh, double feature.
0: So, my last pick is my spookiest pick. And you got to go with a haunted house pick. It's got to be one of the five. And so, you go with a, a ghost story here. And mine that I want to highlight is one that I don't think many people, or I would bet that a lot of people have not seen which is one of the reasons uh, I want to talk about it. And it happens to be produced by Guillermo del Toro, which is also awesome. Uh, but it's called great. El Orfanado, or The Orphanage, um, by J.A. Bayona. This one's a heart-wrenching, beautiful Spanish-language film. Uh, it has a really emotional, central performance here. I'm going to pull up the... I can't talk too much about this one because I don't... Uh, Yeah, I just can't give too many plot details away here or it's kind of punch will be less of a punch. I probably won't watch it, so don't uh, worry about me. Well, I'm not worrying about you, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you all about it later. Uh, But it just says a woman brings her family back to her childhood home, which used to be an orphanage, uh, intent on reopening it. Before long, her son starts to communicate with a new invisible friend. That's all That's all it gives you here on Letterboxd. Yeah, I didn't find any other ones that said much more than that. And if they did, they said things I didn't want them to. So just know that it's uh, a little bit of haunted house vibe, set in orphanage, really emotionally resonant, heartbreaking on moments. But I do think this one's like definitely fits more in the traditional horror category, but it is definitely one of my favorite modern horror films. And I think more people should see it. So, El Orfanato is my final pick.
1: What um like what's the scary level? Or is there is there a, a type of, you know, is it is it um is it really jump scary or is there a like an American film that you could c- kind of compare the style
0: to or is it um, its own thing? No, it's, yeah, it's it's um, not like super high on the the scary level, it's not going to be like... It doesn't f- feel cheap, I guess. It's not going for the cheap scares or things like that, right? Got it.
1: Is it creepy? Is it psychologically... Yeah. It's both. Like... It has
0: some psychological elements for sure, but it's a its a beautiful film. And if you're willing to endure those moments for a good story, then uh, I'll hold your hand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's a date. Uh, well, All right. So mine barely connects to yours other than the characters spend s- several scenes in houses that they're not particularly haunted Perfect. but they also go outside um okay but it's also so, so, does this. so there's that same
0: here <laughs> 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 uh,
1: but uh this is a movie i watched recently for the first time it's a period piece it is an adaptation of a novel by the great jane austen and it's the big one pride and prejudice the Keira Knightley Edition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pride and Prejudice, Kira Knightley edition. This is the uh, 2005 adaptation of that novel, which has had a number of different film and like TV adaptations, BBC stuff. It's clearly her most popular book, I think. It's the one that I I read it in high school, and I had never seen this particular version.
0: And man.
1: Was I blown away by this? Had you seen this one?
0: Yeah, I have. It's been a minute since I have, but.
1: Um, and really, I mean, a lot of it leans on the charm and wit of Kira Knightley. And that's, a, a she's just really good at that. She does it in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies too. This kind of, I, I'm a badass in my own way. And I, I have a sharp tongue and, and can always zing back any man that zings me, tries to zing me, <laughs> tries to zang me. Yeah. And she's just very good. All of the supporting cast are are really great. And the cinematography and the music are both really breathtaking, I think. This isn't quite the fun dip movie that some of these other ones are, but it is a really nice movie. It's pretty low stakes in terms of, of no one's about to die or anything. It's, you know, it's very uh, English, high society, you know... She just won't get married and she'll be a spinster for the rest of her life or kind of the, the consequences of, of which uh, my girlfriend got mad at me when I trivialized that. In, in <laughs> reality, it would probably it would super suck to be destitute in that time <laughs> and alone. But compared to, you know, horror movies, action movies where it's life or death. It really is just a fun, witty, charming film. There's a little bit, there's there's a little more drama to this one, but uh, I was really blown away. And so um, that rounds out my list.
0: Beautiful. So yeah, going back, we'll just go back through these. These are our, our double features here. Start with Sweeney Todd, end with Singing in the Rain. Start with Coraline, end with Wally. Start with What We Do in the Shadows, end with The Wedding Singer, start with Pan's Labyrinth, end with Ponyo, and lastly, start with The Orphanage or El Orfanado and end with Pride and Prejudice. Well.
1: No, those are those are some some nice double features, I'd say. I can't speak for, El Orfanado is the only one that I really have no familiarity with, but I'm, sounds spooky to me.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, do you have any uh, honorable mentions you would you'd like to talk about?
1: Well, okay, so I've got other possible anti-spooky movies that I had thought about. A couple of them I mentioned, When Harry Met Sally, uh, Back to the Future is a pretty just fun ride. The movie Chef with Jon Favreau, mm.
0: that's a great one. Do you, um, have, do you have any uh, spooky honorable mentions?
1: Well, all right, so this this is a good transition into my spooky ones. One that I was considering for anti-spooky and we watched it last night, because I hadn't seen it in so long, is the movie Babe. Okay. I was talking about it with my girlfriend Tess, and she was like, that's such a cute movie. If you're not sure, you should watch it, and we should just see. We watched it, and that movie is dark. <laughs> <laughs> I had totally forgotten. <laughs> it's all about death on the farm. The end of the movie, the moral of the story, it's all about being nice, and, and you shouldn't put people in a box and let everyone become what, they, what they're going to become, right? It's, it's a great final message. But along the way, I mean, we were watching it, and I was like, oh, well, that scene was a little dark, and then another scene would go by. Wow, that was kind of dark, too. And then it got to the point where there's a duck screaming, Christmas means carnage! And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, is, this needs to go on Brandon's list. <laughs> Christmas dinner. yeah, Dinner means death. Death means carnage. Christmas means carnage. Christmas means carnage. That's great. <laughs> so, babe, a uh, uh, lovely moral of the story at the end, but it is not the carefree fun dip movie that, <laughs> that I was hoping it's
0: no, for. It's no ponyo.
1: It's no ponyo. God, no. Um, so uh, if I were to pick a couple of spooky season movies, you know, um, I haven't seen a ton of horror Nightmare Before Christmas is a -hmm. a really great one that kind of rides that line, right? The Halloween, Christmas, spooky and sappy. Get Out is a recent horror film. It's the only horror film I've seen in the theaters in like 15 years, like since (laughs) high school. And probably will be for a while. That's all that really comes to mind right now,
0: I think. You mentioned Get Out. I I love that film. I think it's excellent, but it just didn't qualify as... In terms of like seasonally spooky to me. So I didn't necessarily consider it for one of my categories. But there are a couple others that I did consider. Just want to toss out The Devil's Backbone would be a great triple feature with Pans and The Orphanage. uh, Because it's another Guillermo del Toro and it's kind of like the sister film to uh, Pans. I considered a film called Let the Right One In. Which is a Swedish Film that I think is excellent. There's also an American adaptation of it. Yeah, I really want to see this movie actually. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's like uh, the feeling of, you know, creepiness or uh, unease or whatever throughout it. I, it's not, but it's not like, a, you know, super scary, but I think it's excellent. I think it's a, a beautiful film. Finally, on, it's not super spooky. There's spooky moments, but. I would say this is kind of like maybe adjacent to like a Sweeney Todd and it's vibe, but it uh, it's called Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. It's a fantastic novel. It's very long, but worth it uh, by Susanna Clark. But they did, there's a BBC adaptation of this that's a TV show. Um, so I didn't include any TV shows in here, but I'll talk about a couple here. But this one in particular is like great for October and for the season. I feel like it definitely has that dark and magical, rainy England, (laughs) all of those elements that kind of have the similarity to Sweeney Todd there. But uh, just to give a, a quick description of this one, it says this historical drama series is an adaptation of the international best-selling novel by Susanna Clarke. The story is set in 19th century England during the Napoleonic Wars, a time when practical magic has largely fallen by the wayside, but the practice is resuscitated by two men, Gilbert Norrell, a reclusive but highly skilled ma- magician, and Jonathan Strange, a young and a handsome novice who is exploring his capabilities. This relationship between men intensifies as they battle to become England's greatest magician. And yeah, I think it's one of the better adaptations I've seen from an, a novel. And it's uh, it's really good. So that would be uh, an honorable mention for me. And then on the other side of the coin, I always... when well, we talked about Bob's Burgers. I'll, I'll throw that in here again. I think any of those episodes of a wholesome family-owned burger spot... And uh, some just funny family dynamics and wonderful characters, and then the Great British Baking Show, which is on right now, and Rachel. just a lovely, you know, no conflict. Just uh, the worst that happens is just you know a bad bake, you know, just a bad bake. <laughs> you have to prove it for much longer.
1: <laughs> I
0: don't. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Oh, it's <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Does that conclude our our spooky anti spooky episode?
1: I think so. That was quite uh, fun.
0: Yeah, we usually with in it. with some recommendations. Um, have anything for me this week?
1: Yeah, so I just uh, I just finished Cormac McCarthy's *The Road*. It's a novel from 2006. Won a Pulitzer Prize. Very famous. Lots of people recognize and love it. I know that you have read it, Brandon. And man, what a thrill ride! I read it in a matter of days. It usually takes me a couple weeks to to rip through 250 to 300 pages of a novel and I just I just plowed through it cuz it's it's a real page turner and I was just on the edge of my seat and I just love the um the big questions of good guys versus bad guys especially in hell essentially right like mm-hmm. in, in a post apocalyptic world and what does it mean to even be good when all the rules are thrown out the window of society. And people generally know about this book. And so I finally read it, love it. I, I will probably read it again in the next few years because I just, it was
0: mesmerizing. So that's my thing. Wonderful, I'm I'm with you on that. Mine is a song, it's a banger. It's called Crash by an artist named Nilofer Yanya. She is super cool this new song's co-written with Nick Hakim, who I also love. She's got a new EP coming out December 11th. This uh song, as I mentioned, is a banger. It's got these like um really uh kind of overblown guitar, or guitars in it, and it's just uh it's a song that that gets stuck in my head and I just keep singing. The song repeats itself a lot and I just keep on Repeating it after I listen to it, and it's uh, one that gets gets stuck in my head. But I find her her voice is super interesting, and she does uh, she's pretty like experimental with it, and super expressive. And it reminds me at times of Caroline Polachek, who we talked about a bit on here. And she ha- so along with that, I've been listening to her album a lot um, that she put out last year called Miss Universe. That should have been on my year-in list when we discussed this. Um, I just didn't listen to it quite enough, but been listening all the way through it recently. It's kind of addicting. I really, really love it, and I'm excited for more music from her. She has the ability to like start a song, and it you think it's going one way, and the song morphs into this really like morphs in its structure to this really surprising conclusion. So every song kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat and there's a bunch of different styles in there i think of people that can do this sort of thing with like different genres and she does it with like this like pop rock electronic and r&b she kind of like melds these things in a super seamless way i think of someone like miguel who can kind of or someone like janelle Monet who has control of like all of those things but but if you're a fan of caroline polachek or those artists i just mentioned give this a listen I'll toss Excellent. it on the old uh, the old playlist too.
1: Yes, the Happy Tears mixtape on and Spotify.
0: That is what it's called. Thank you for listening to Happy
1: Tears. Happy Tears is produced by Nick Melita and Brandon Henry. You can find us on all of the social media. Instagram, we are at Happy Tears Podcast. Twitter, we're at Happy Tears Pod. And we have a Facebook group that you can click the like button. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us grow as a show and make new friends. So help us out.
0: Original theme music by Homage. You can check his music out at youtube.com slash homagebeats or go to Instagram at homagebeats. We've got a Spotify playlist called Happy Tears Mixtape. We toss music on there that we talk about on the show uh, that we either cover or discuss on here or just things that we're liking and update that weekly. So go give that a follow. Uh, I suppose
1: that is it for this episode of...
0: Spooky Tears. Tears.
1: Spooky Tears. (laughs) Farewell.